Hi guys, I'd like to take a second to tell you about our very first sponsor here on Menace to Sobriety. I thought long and hard about who to choose to put on this podcast and put out to you guys. And I've picked this for a very specific reason, because it's brilliant. I want to introduce you to the Morale app. This is an app where you can literally send great morale to your buddies. You can anonymously ping over messages to lift your friend's morale. It's brilliant. Ideal for this podcast and the viewers. The Morale app is an antidote to social media and an app designed to enhance human connection with your friends and combat loneliness. It's one of the biggest aids to mental fitness and for many people in recovery is a sense of community, closeness and connection with others and Morale is designed with the user in mind not like other social media platforms. Download the app and add your friends to improve yours and theirs motivation every day. The Morale app basically Ping your pal some morale. Just a menace, ju- just a menace. Menace of sobriety. Just a menace, ju- just a menace. Just a menace, menace of sobriety. Just a menace, ju- just a menace. Menace of sobriety. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to those of you that are viewing or listening at home. Uh, yeah, put your seatbelt on, pull up the old handbrake and get ready to go on a ride. Um, This is a very interesting uh, guest that we've got coming on now. Uh, Just to give you a bit of background, before I introduce uh, this gentleman to you, uh, um, I I came across uh, a story, (laughs) an article, and I read it, and I was like, uh, yeah, I'll just say, I was like, fucking hell, it's mental, um, but also inspiring. And uh, I believe this podcast is, all about uh, no matter who you are where you're from what you've been through uh, the podcast is all about um giving you something to listen to that you can think well fuck me if that has happened and that person can become that person then whatever i'm going through uh i'm more than capable of of turning it around that's what this podcast is all about so on that i'm going to introduce pastor mick Fleming. hello mate yeah, man. good to see you well, um, when we let's stop, first of all, where are you from? Your accent, where are you from? Burnley, so East Langs, Lancashire. Right, okay. Sound a little bit similar to, to my Mrs. Petters. They're from like Tilsley, which is Manchester, like, yeah, great in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, it's not far. Not, not far. But you're, but you're a northerner, yeah? I am a northerner. How yeah. do you feel about being in London? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, no proper chippies, and, and people look the other way when you talk to them. <laughs> you're not meant to talk to no one, that's no, why. It's weird. It's really weird. My, my missus is uh, northern, and it's funny that you say about the chippies, because we've got loads of chippies around us, and she always goes to one that's really far away. I can't tell the fucking difference <laughs> yeah. in the chips. And she's like, no, the chips are shit from uh, there. But you'll know. You'll yeah. know. If you're from up north, you'll know. Definitely. But, but yeah, we've been, I've been doing these cold water dips as well that um, they, they, they like reset you. And my missus, she, and I'm in there like, ah, 30 seconds. She just gets in. She's like, it's like a fucking bar park. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, I'm telling you. But um, right. So, yes, this is crazy. First of all, uh, your book. You've got the book here. Uh, Pasta, Mick Fleming, blown away. And this will give you a little insight about the road we're about to go down. From drug dealer to life bringer, all right? So my guy here has had a mental life, but also um, just in tune with the podcast, you're sober now. How, how, yeah, 13 years. About 13 years sober. Um, we'll get into that. But before we get into that, how did you become, because you were like a gangland enforcer, weren't you? Um, a life of crime, turned pastor, found religion clean, sober, inspiring. They're even making a film about you, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, but take me all the way back to the beginning. Where did, where, how did your life start? So what it, what it was, Daniel, really, it's a sad beginning, really. So really good mum and dad. Yeah. And then I went out one day to school, skipped off to school, and I was proper mummy's boy. Yeah. All sisters, soft as all. And uh, I got attacked and I got raped on my way to school. Devastating. And uh, I sort of, wow. I even went into school. And it was like the world had gone in slow motion. Couldn't speak. How old were you then, if you don't mind? By 11, yeah. And uh, I went home, and this man had said, I told your mum and dad, and then he'd kill him. And He said he'd kill your mum and dad? Yeah. yeah. But back then, so I knew nothing about sex, drugs, nothing. You're just like 11 years, probably like a nine-year-old now, eight or nine-year-old. So I, uh, I went to bed that night, and I remember crying. I bit the pillow like that so that because I thought if they heard me cry mm. then they might get killed yeah oh no, my god petrified so I stopped crying I never knew then that I won't cry again until I was about 42 
fucking hell. But what happened, Daniel, I got up in the morning and I went downstairs and I was like, got to tell my dad, I'm going to tell my dad, I'm going to tell my dad, I'm building myself up. And he walked in through the door and he said, come in, son, sit down, your sister's dead. The next day? The very next day. So, so I just went. Oh, my God. Never, that, never spoke about it again. That was pushed, that was pushed. Yeah. Pushed down. Straight away, drugs, drink, anything I could get my hands on. Uh, quiet little boy. Just went. He'd gone. That's, that's, I mean, we people talk about trauma from a young age, but, I mean, that's another level. And So, oh, man, sorry. So, uh, that happened to you, and then you became a teenager, and what were you like? So, I was like... I knew how to make money, so I could always get money. Or I used to get, like, uh, I used to steal from money, don't get me wrong, but I, I liked the, you know, my, my mind's kind of, like, really quick sometimes, and it's like, uh, I like to plan how to mm. get the money, so the plan was more important than getting it. Mm. And then I'd like other people to not know I'd done it. Right. Like you're a secret, like, yeah. you're, like you're a secret. Fantasy, really. Secret assassin sort of thing, yeah. but, like, for... Yeah, yeah. So I'm, 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 so I'm committing lots of crime. What, what, what sort of stuff like pickpocketing and also, or, or like robbery? Yeah, also. So by I think by the time I was twelve, I used to put like uh, a jacket over the back of a chair in my bedroom, and I used to practice stealing the wallet out of it and all that sort of stuff. I wanted to be bad, yeah, because I just thought like to be good was soft and weak, and we're going to get you hurt, really. Yeah, and 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 that's what I did, and then I sort of progressed. But it was when I found cocaine, which there wasn't a lot of cocaine in uh, around where I was anyway. I never heard it when I was about 19, something like that. Mm. And uh, that changed everything. Do you know, this was in the 80s. There weren't loads of it flying around there. And uh, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it has that, yeah, it has. Later, somebody showed, showed us how to rock it up to make crack. Do you know what I mean? That was right. much later, but that when it got to the point of me taking crack, that was just like all bets were off because with crack, he's a grand a day. He's not even. Do you know what I mean? So, you know. so you need a lot of money, and you need to make a lot of money, and and you become more psychotic. So your brain gets more psychotic. You become poorly quicker. Mm. Uh, so that means stays in mental health institutions, and you're taking bigger risks. Mm to do the same thing so you i ended up you know we are shooting out back of my pants in my own town doing stuff which i never did i didn't do anything in my own town i used to sort of uh be paid to go to different places and i kept it like that mm. you know but in the end yeah i'm kind of just absolutely let I mean, me um, let me go back a little bit so so your you know your, your your life of crime starts you know you you've been introduced to cocaine um which I think you know I can I can I can relate to, but never from a crime perspective. But I can I can I can almost sort of guarantee that when you put the cocaine hand in hand with crime, then shit gets real quick. Yeah, what what um talk me through sort of your escalation into the underworld. I mean, and, and how bad that got for you. What sort of if you don't mind talking about it? I'm sure you do talk about it all in the book. Yeah, there's some of it in there. I mean, <laughs> there's some stuff you still. Yeah, <laughs> there's things I'm not going to say, Daniel. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so. He were kind of like collecting the debts, yeah, uh, picking drugs up, dropping dropping drugs off. But what happened? I can describe it without being or uh, if somebody's in the way and he's your friend, mm. right? This is how it began for me. Then and they've got to get big up, taken out of the way, but you don't want them to know. So somebody comes to somebody else and says, "I need to sort that out." Right, and that's kind of what happens. That's what you were doing. That's that. and that's what I were doing. So, what I'm, what I used to do, I wouldn't be able to do now because you could just pay a fifteen-year-old a grand and give him a bag of weed and and give him a gun and let's go and blow some of his brains out, won't it? Do you know what I mean? It's a different sort of world. The criminal world's a lot different now. But uh, he took me to the. Uh, I've hurt a lot of people, yeah. you know, and uh, I've almost been killed twice. There've been two really close ones. There's been others where it's just been talk, but there's been twice where it was so so close. What do you mean? What somebody's actually attacked you? Like yeah, so a car pulled inside of me and shot me three times, and all three missed. And they were like, "Wow!" From me to you away, so they couldn't miss. I didn't think. But what happened was he didn't know how to fire the gun, 
So the gun's flying up and down, he's trying to shoot it like it's just, and, and they miss, but I felt one whiz right across my knees. And I thought that would have probably crippled me, or if it didn't, well, if it didn't mean if I'd be dead, wouldn't I? But mm. it's like, that was like a real close, mm. but at the time, because of the drugs and my mental health and the state. It didn't me, seem bad. Didn't really care. <laughs> or just like, like you know, yeah. just. And was that, but was that the first time, or was there a time after that? There was a time after that where I left this lady's house, and five minutes, the ice gets done, and, and they would have killed me. Five minutes, wow. they just missed it by five minutes. I must have literally just drove away. Wow, you know, and they would have, they would have killed me. Yeah. So you're you're sort of into this now, and this is this is your life. Um, was there sort of a pivotal moment for you that that stopped the crime and the drink and drugs? Was it was that at the same time the drink and drugs and the crime stopped? Yeah. So so it was like uh, I, I sort of like you see I've sat here with dog collar on, so yeah. I've got some faith, and I didn't have faith before, so. So my life's gone in a different path now, and there's a couple of reasons. I mean, two of them, Daniel, really are. So pivotal moment was, I'm collecting a debt, so I'm going to call it that, and I pulled up outside the gym, and uh, I had a, a gun in a carrier bag, wrapped up in a carrier bag, and I'm in a stolen car. And I'm waiting for the guy to come out of the gym, and he walks out of the gym, and I walk out with a gun down at my side, jumps out like that, and he's got two kids with him, two little girls. I wish I could say that would have bothered me, or did bother me, but it didn't. I think I, my heart had got really hard. I didn't care, you know, by this stage. I and he had all of their hands like that. And they were about seven and eight or something like that. Oh, my God. Of age, that. And light started to shine off the hands. Really? And it really and truly hit me in the face. And I couldn't say, maybe 10, 15 seconds. And they walked past. As they walking past, start sweating start shaking i feel really emotional when i say it. i started to be sick and i split something inside my stomach and there's blood coming out of my mouth there's blood all over i look like i've been stabbed up i jumps in the car i don't know what's wrong with me whatsoever and i shoots off just drives down into this industrial estate and it pulls up do you know what i mean excuse <laughs> no you can what you like yeah it's just how i felt you know literally just so what, 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 there was actually internal bleeding. There was something yeah, that had happened. Yeah, what happened was, yeah, something had happened. So I ripped a, a, like a little pipe thing in my stomach, a thing with just retching, just being sick. And it's and just, oh. just, and all the blood's all over. So I look a mm. mess, you know, I look like I've been, there's blood everywhere and snot and I'm, I've got water coming out of my eyes, right? And I'm thinking, am I crying? Because I'm crying for 40 odd years, 30 odd years. And so I don't know what's wrong with me. So it pulls up. And I said, like, uh, prayer. You know, like, first time, probably. Mm. Well, since we were that little boy, really. And uh, I got the answer straight away, nothing. And I thought, well, if there is a God, the things that I've done are too bad. He's not even bothered about me. And in a second, I just picked the gun up, Daniel, and I just put it under my chin, and I just pulled the trigger. Oh, my God, uh, man. And he didn't fire, and he didn't fire, and he didn't go off. And... I believed in that moment, just in that second, there must be a God. And I, when I put that gun away that day, I stuck it in the soil and I fired it three times before I put it away and it went off every time. Now that was the thing that said, I believe there's a power bigger than me. That would must be something. Yeah. But it, it, it came when I didn't believe, if you know what I mean, when I'd gone two fingers up to God. Bang, and it, and it that they talk about Christians might say people being saved. That's the terminology they use. But I felt it was literal for me, and that listen. I wish I could say that I didn't take a drug from then on, or I didn't have a drink. That's not true. You know, I went after and I smoked crack, and I had a bottle of vodka, and I got a bit off my head and stuff like that, trying to process it. But something different had changed. And then I got nicked the day after, so armed police nicked me and I'm thrown on for minor offence, but they knew that I might be have firearms on me, so they always came that way. And uh, they got me they got they got me locked up and then they started to interview me and it was like I was never one of them that said, uh, no comment, no comment. I just think about something ridiculous and talk about it. Absolutely. Just a wind of my Yeah, yeah, that, that's all I did. And I won't talk about anything else, but this ridiculous thing that I got in my head. 
So they were like, we're about firearms and stuff like that. Uh, da, 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 da. And I just go, do you think there's giraffes on the planet Jupiter? <laughs> yeah. No, rolling with them. Yeah. No, why? Is it too cold? Yeah. You know, maybe the sheep. Because then you'll know you definitely won't trip up. I won't trip up because yeah. I'm just stuck. And da, da, da. They put you in a mental house, did they? They did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> Honestly, Daniel, I got sectioned <laughs> from there, I thought. But I didn't get charged with anything. Right. We ended up in a psychiatric unit. And, you know, the most amazing thing happened in there. I gets in there and uh, I had, like, the patients give me cigarettes and stuff. I'm thinking, what's going on here? Well, these people are all right. And this guy comes and sits next to me, starts talking to me, patient, just like me. And he said, uh, he told me about it. he'd been abused. And he'd been systematically abused and he'd been tortured. This 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 man, yeah, when he was younger. Yeah, yeah. and he had schizophrenia really ill enough. I said, like, sort of, I had been abused, like, I said, but not like that. And he looked at me and he slammed his hand before he went, don't you ever say that. He said, once is the same as a thousand times. And do you know what, Daniel? I felt like uh, I wasn't on my own anymore. Because I'd never heard anybody. I'd never told anybody. Yeah, well, you'd never said it out loud. No. And I'd never heard anybody else that had, had said it. I didn't know anybody that had. And that kind of helped me a lot. Uh, sort of like uh, it was the beginning. And then I'm in a psychiatric unit, no drugs, apart from the ones they're giving me. And, they're, uh, and no, uh, no drink. So I'm getting sober. Well, that, honestly, it is in that book, but they, when I think he's mental, I'm trying, I still wanted to get off it. Yeah, of course. What am I going to do in here? And I found these sachets of coffee. So I ripped them over, and I racked them all. And you sniffing lines of coffee. <laughs> coffee. And <laughs> nurse walked in, she went, Meg, what are you doing? I went, well, you won't give me any proper drugs. I'm trying, I can't stand it. She went, it's decaf. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, so you've got like... Big shot gangster, you know, sniffing decaf in a psychiatric unit. Fuck you know. That's when you know it don't work. That's good. You know, it oh. don't quite work, you know. But uh, that was the beginning mm. of my recovery because I came out of there for the first time in my life. Mm. No drink, no, no drugs, drugs, just me. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much to go back on there. Like, it's it's crazy. But I mean, first of all, the 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 um, I think I mean, I. I've got to admit, I find it difficult to be religious. I come from a, I come from a religious family. My my grandma uh, is Irish, uh, or she was, God bless her soul. She's Irish, and um, she 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 went to church constantly every every Sunday. And uh, I went to a Catholic school. I got expelled, but I went to a Catholic school, and we went to uh, church at the school and stuff like that. And I went to a Catholic like early early school that had nuns in it. I mean, my people listening wouldn't believe this, but. Um, but once I come out of school and I had the choice, I sort of well, veered away from it. My family's quite um, Catholic, and maybe just because our generation is a little bit like that. But I don't know if it's God or whatever. But I am spiritual, and I do believe I do believe heavily in. Um, I don't know if I call what I mean. I guess that's the thing. You can call it what you want, can't you? You can. I mean, I'm not religious. I've got a dog collar on. I'm a bishop, but I'm not religious at all. That's so strange because you look like a priest, don't you? You yeah, look like a, yeah. like, well, a bishop, yeah. yeah. So, so religion for me is like a man-made structure, but I follow the teachings of Jesus. So if I said to you, Dad, you lose Jesus, what comes into your head? And you might get this geezer on a cross. On the cross, yeah. yeah or you might get crane of thorns or pair of sandals on beard. And yeah, definitely, yeah, what they say in the book. But what if I said... If you look at the Bible, the New Testament, which is the bits about Jesus, and everything he says and everything he does has four things all the time. Honesty, unselfishness, purity, and love. And that's Jesus. So that's what you believe in, those things. And if you live your life trying to move to them four things, so you won't have a me If you don't have that, that type of faith, you haven't got to measure against your own character or even against your own moral compass because... It's you and not mm. God. So that notion of Jesus says, yeah, I fell short on that one. Mm. It's like, mm. so that's my... So you're so, it's like the, the dog collar and, and like, the being a bit, it's like a representation of your of, of your beliefs in what you should be morally. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So for me, it's like I can choose to, I don't have to wear the dog collar, but I'm ordained and then consecrated as a bishop and I wear it because it makes a difference to the work I do. So my sobriety has always depended on my serving other people. 
And I hear that every podcast people say that. Way. And and wearing this, more people come to me that I can try to help and me trying to help them helps me every single time without fail. And and that's why I wear it and that's why I feel blessed. You know? mm. So I I think that like I've had these I, I, I felt I felt some things happen to me since I've been sober. Like I feel like for me personally when I've when I um when I've let go of the prick, right? That's that's what I call it within yeah. me. When I let go of the prick, when I was like, you know, my ego, kind of my ego and just all about me and then the drink and the drugs and everything, when I kind of let go of it and not just let go of it, but sort of faced faced it and said, you know, I really have got a problem here. I can't handle it myself. I need a little bit of help. And also I'm fucking sorry and I want to be different, right? And it's like kind of like, like you said, that weight off your shoulders. And then when you actively work on it, it's like good things happen. Good things happen to you, didn't they? Like I've had, like I feel like in 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 my career, I've had I've been working my ass off for like ten years or whatever, and stuff has come through work. But since I've been sober in just like a hundred and forty days or whatever it is, stuff has come to me that's never come to me before. It's it's popped out, and I feel like it's calm off because I'm giving the good thing back. And the, what I'm getting to is whatever that looks like, whatever that um is, whether you believe it's like the universal or whatever but that's maybe the light that you saw when uh, from the man uh, holding his daughters that light that goodness maybe i mean when you look back on that now what do you think that is that your mind playing tricks on you trying to highlight it's wrong or do you actually believe that that was something out there like showing you the love that maybe it was the love in the hands of 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 the father and the daughters and showing you what you were doing what do you think so i think you were someone divine and i think that God works in illnesses and works in everything. Uh, I think, for me, Daniel, I mean, people, you think, what is if I say sin, maybe that's just bad behaviour, you know what I mean? If you don't believe in, in a God, bad behaviour, but it's not, for me, it's like, it's not the punch. So the sin might, some people might say, well, you just shouldn't have hit him. You, 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 that's the, but for me, it's not. It goes back, it's the, the resentment, the anger, the bitterness. If the resentment, the anger, and the bitterness go, the punch don't come anywhere. Yeah. And it's about that sort of stuff. And I don't think you can take that away yourself. Mm. I don't think you can get rid of jealousy. I don't think you can get rid of all that stuff yourself. Mm. I fully believe that you need to be able to give that to God. And that's what happened for me. So it's like having a gun, Daniel, and you've got bullets in it. The bullets are jealousy, resentment, bitterness, all them kind of things, right? You can surrender the gun and put it down. If you don't take the bullets out, every time you pick it up, it's fully loaded. Mm. So, you, so you've so you not gained, um, if we're talking about sobriety, mm. you pick it up there and you're just going to go bang, drink again, bang, have another one. Because you're going on, you'll still have that. It's all right until something happens. Spirituality yeah. is fantastic until something happens with my kids or my missus or, or work or something, until it's me. Yeah. And it's much more difficult. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And if you've still got a gun that's fully loaded with all them things, you are going to drink. You are going to use. I'll guarantee it. Yeah. But the faith empties the bullets from the gun. Yeah. So you don't fire anymore. Yeah. I think the only way I can sort of really relate to this, and John, if you have any anything you want to add, mate, you feel free, because this is, oh, man, I'm I'm hooked on this. This is, yeah, it's interesting. It's, really. We haven't had anything like this, but no. if there's anything you want to add and, or interject, then go for it. Yeah. Well, even just thinking about the kind of, so when you said the faith, having the faith is kind of how you managed to kind of get rid of all these sort of internal, I guess, demons, what was the process for you to kind of, like, you know, put these things down and kind of be rid of them? Did you just have to kind of, almost say like in a, in a prayer like take these away from me or or they just kind of nah <laughs> John wants a cheat code mate you, you, John wants a cheat code you're fucked you're mate you're gonna get into heaven by back door you <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. Yeah. yeah so no so I, I guess what I can say so as you can imagine the biggest resentment I had was against the geezer that hurt me when I was a kid yeah because obviously because I blame him for everything at that point which isn't true because I had free will to do the stuff I did. Yeah. But there's a story which uh, comes out of the psychiatric unit and I'm sort of helping people uh, who are a bit like me. I'm just trying to help people who are, who are drunk and a mess and stuff. And I'm in McDonald's and uh, there's an alky there and he's, he's a mess. He stinks and he's falling over and he sits him down. Gets him a burger, gets him a brew, and I sits down with him. 
talks to him, gives him my number, arranged to meet him in the same place the next day. He turned up. Sat down the guy, eventually got sober. I got him into AA and NA. I used to do all them 12-step meetings. And stuff. I still do now and again. Gets him into that, gets sober. But he, he messed himself up that much with a drink. Two years later, he died. So he, he died sober, though, and he got a type of faith. And he had his, not all his family, but he had most of his family back and everything else. You helped him, yeah? I helped him. But what I didn't tell him, Daniel, was he was the man that raped me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you know straight away? I knew straight away. And he invited him back the day after. And he had a knife on my sleeve and I was going to cut his throat. Fucking hell. Honestly, that's what I was going to do. But I didn't. Do you know what? Something happened. What happened was, when I went back the second time and I'd been up all night, I'd got the knives out, ready, I'd one in my sock, one up my sleeve, and even when I walked in and seen him and he smiled like that, I dropped the knife and he had it there. In McDonald's? In McDonald's. I didn't care where it was. I'd have gone to jail for the rest of my life. I'd, I'd been fantasising about this for 30 odd years. He's having it, right? God, whatever, my faith, gone, out the window, he's getting it. And again, I guess up, gets there, and I realised, just had this realisation that, like, like a voice in my head, what is forgiveness? And it was like, well, it's, I thought forgiveness would put me arms around someone and going, there, 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 it's all right. And then I had to be like, I'm not going to live in your sin. I've lived in it all my life. Why would I live in your sin? It's like, you know, me drinking that poison and expecting him to die. But it was like, I never thought ever in my life that you could do nothing. I always thought if somebody hit you, you had to hit them back. I didn't yeah. think it was an option or nothing. Even if it was someone says something to you, you have to say it back, don't you? Yeah. Even if they're bigger than you, you know, you just, yeah. you just wait till they turn in the back. You have to do Yeah. You always have to have a reply. I didn't know. And I'm sat there and I'm shaking inside again. And he's no idea. No idea what's. And I puts it back up my sleep. And I just listened to him. Now, did you tell him that you know? No. no. And I didn't, listen, I didn't, I didn't forgive him like worldly forgiveness. So I think there's a godly forgiveness and there's a worldly forgiveness. So, so the worldly forgiveness for me is like, you've got to say, it's all right, it doesn't matter what you did to me, and don't worry about it. It's not that. So it, godly it, forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to live in yours because mine's been bad enough. Yeah. How would you live in yours as well? Yeah, I, you know I'm what I mean? my head around it. I think it, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, like if you had killed him, then there's no way you're ever moving on. There's no right. way you're ever, he's going to be a part of you for even longer. For I mean, he's always going to be a part of your thinking, but I mean. Sin doesn't stop, does it? What happens is. His sin becomes your sin. Yeah. And I live in it and I go to jail and hurt people in jail and I get hurt in jail and then I might come out and my life's finished and it's over and I've done nothing with it. So so sin is almost like a state of existence and living rather than the actual... Exactly. Okay. And, well, yeah. Do you reckon that's, you know, the whole idea of turning the other cheek yeah. is that it's on literally a level rather than... Yeah. Interest? 100%. Yeah. Well, because it changes everything. Yeah. It changes absolutely everything. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like, it isn't saying it's all right. No. He's saying I'm not going to live in yours. Yeah, such a, it's such a... Listen, it wasn't easy. And then when you say like, them two things we talked about there are the things that moved me on spiritually, which has helped me with my recovery. So there has to be something bigger than me. There has to be. Something because, I put you in the same fucking McDonald's as him. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, I recognised him straight away. Cause I, I'd seen the fit all my life. I've been waiting for him. And I hadn't seen him all them years. And I hadn't seen him. And the, the moment I see him, I'm sober. Like... Yeah, it's like if you had seen him when you were off your nuts and walking around with a gun in your pocket. He's done, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like it's like God God got you sober so you could face this man. I think so. And that has been like like a catalyst for me of like uh forgiveness, but kind of the notion of like Jesus dying on a cross and stuff. So it's like you think about it, Daniel, so human beings don't want to go through the pain. If there's pain there, I'm going over there. Yeah. Uh, every time, I'm going to avoid the pain. But the truth is, you can't avoid it because one day your mum's going to die or some of you're going to lose someone, your relationship might break. Something's going to happen in life that's going to hurt, right? 
So you either go sex, drugs and rock and roll to take the pain away, to avoid it, or the Jesus story is he goes through the pain. Mm. Doesn't go around it, mm. goes through the pain. So if I go through the pain, I believe that I'm going to come out the other side. So I resurrected Jesus, risen from the dead, new life. But if I keep going round it, I'm just avoiding it all the time. So I have to always go through the pain. It doesn't mean I'm in pain. It means I have to go through all these circumstances and not good by not lying, mm. by not trying to dodge it, mm. by facing it in truth. Because mm. it's easy to, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll just tell you a bit of a lie, so you, so you can yeah. still like me. I can, I can relate to it again. Like I'm, like I'm saying, I liked, I liked the way that you started when we started talking about Jesus, like what, how you saw Jesus, because. I can't, you know, I don't believe, I, I think, I, I, I mean, I, I think I don't believe in like Jesus and God and stuff like that. But like I said, I definitely believe that there's, there's a higher power or there's a, there's something more to it. I believe that, you know, that when you put good things out, they come back. I'm a firm believer in karma. Like I won't, I, I'd never knock anyone for money. Like I'd never, if I say I'm going to do something, even if someone fucking pisses me off, I always worry about my karma for the sake of, for the sake of making sure that I keep things straight. But saying that, like you're saying that you you see in Jesus, like I I, I and when you, when you you put those, what was those four things? If you can tell me again, yeah, honesty, yeah, selfishness, purity, yeah. and love. Now I know that I still suffer with a big ego, and I'm a bit of a narcissist sometimes when it comes just because of the nature of my job. But I'm very aware of that, and I'm very aware of uh, with my wife. I'm very, I try to be very open and honest about what I'm struggling with. And luck with her family as well, you know, it was embarrassing for her family to find out that I was having problems with the drink and drugs and stuff like that. And I think that's what you're talking about, walking through your pain, facing your pain. And then, and I think that what a lot of us men are struggling with um, when they are drinking and stuff like that, what they're struggling with in general is the guilt of the, all the shit they're doing they know they shouldn't be doing. And um, So I don't have any guilt and I have no shame. See, that's a powerful place to be, isn't it? Yeah. Especially after the live you, the life you've lived, because you, I guess because you're giving back, you know you're doing the right thing. Well, it's just, it's, it is my faith. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So the the story. So this is what most Christians would do, right? This is what they do. They go, uh, right, believe in God, believe in Jesus, and everything, and He died on the cross, and they tell you, you died for your sins, and they go, yeah. So what does that mean? I haven't got a fucking clue, but I'll tell you. That's what I believe. That's what they say, right? So. As soon as I do something bad, I go, holy shit, Jesus, take it all away. I'm such a bad person. Thank you. Oh, take it all away. Take it all away. Well, that's pointless mm. because nothing's going to happen. But if I go, thank you, Jesus, for showing me my sin, mm. pointing it out because you don't want me trapped in sin, then that means you died for my sins. The other way around means I keep them. Yeah. So the notion of Jesus dying on the cross and my gratitude to that. So I'd, when the feelings of shame and guilt and things come up, my first thing is a really grateful thought because I know by my faith that Jesus has shown me what my sin is. How can it go if I don't know what it is? Mm. And that changes. It's a game changer. Yeah. Well, that's for me. That's my faith. And it works. Yeah. It works for millions of other people as well, but it does, it works for me. Yeah. Hospital, you know. So. I feel, I feel relief. I feel relief. I feel relief from, um, from admitting that I've been a prick and a twat and <laughs> stuff. I feel, you do, I feel relief from it, you know? And also, you know, you, if you take, if you, you know, yeah, I, I, I get that. I get that. I feel, and you know, sins basically, like you're saying, yes, yeah, behavior from yeah. bad behavior. And I feel that. So, so yeah, so fucking hell, so much, isn't it? It's crazy. What a life. And so, um, so that happened to you. I just want to go back to that quickly because it's quite, it, it, it's, uh, it's very, it's very, I mean, it, it feels traumatic to me just listening to it, but I mean, you're in McDonald's and you, you know, like you said, you're putting the knife back up. You're like, no, um, what were you talking about? Just helping him. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be really honest with you, right? I was talking to him deliberately to try and find out things about him, mm. where he lived. If I changed my mind, I could burn his house down. Right. Where his family were. Yeah. If I wanted to work there, I could. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. You know, that's what, I, that's what I'd gone. So the knife went away, and then that conversation started, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Do you know what I mean? So I still had all that... Anger and resentment. Yeah, yeah, still there at that point, but... I was finding another way out, and it sort of, uh, it did mess with me head for a long time. Mm. 
but I knew that but so you had to stop but you slowly moved away from it yeah so by the time he died I didn't hate him but I didn't love him yeah of course but I didn't hate him yeah and that was like but you'd spend your whole life hating him yeah fuck it and destroying me and everybody else yeah even my own family my kids everything do you know what I mean I kind of I would treat everybody do you know what I mean it's like for for that act that he'd done yeah on me you know so so I really did get, you know, I did get freedom. So forgiveness is choice, mm. for one thing, but also it's not saying it's all right. And like, you know, we're talking on here and you'll see abuse victims. I'm not saying you have to do what I've done because a lot of people can't and and it took me a long time as well. Mm. And and I'm not trying to justify, you know, kind of that, kind of what, what he did to me either because I'm, I'm not, I no. wouldn't, do you know what I mean? So... It's not. This is just your journey, your story. Yeah, it's not. Story and it's worked. It's changed my life. But completely changed my life. Yeah, but maybe something that people can take. And again, I'm not in the place to say, but maybe something people can take that have suffered such traumatic events from it is to try and not live in that in that sin and and yeah. and by some form of, I don't know. I, I, it's not my place to talk about that. I don't think. But I understand what I understand what you're saying. But to move on from from that, so how did you become a bishop? Well, it's a bit nuts, isn't it? So it's a bit nuts. I mean, yeah. Like, so you're gonna love this. So I like. Uh, so I'm in a homeless hostel. I ended up in a homeless hostel, sober and clean. Yeah. This is just, and I had a vision. Right. So now I know, you... I know that there's loads of people gonna say, "Listen, he's not. He's out of a psychiatric unit, and he's not long off the crack." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Listen, and I accept that. Yeah, yeah. And I completely accept that. But I believe God works even in your illnesses. Right? Yeah. So, the listeners and yourself, you can take it whichever way you want and, and work it out yourself, you know. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm led on my bed and I'm wondering what to do with the rest of my life. I'm believing in I God. So, this is uh, just before I meet the guy in McDonald's. So, so, it's not long before, just a matter of weeks. Through. And uh, I, I'm praying, I'm saying this prayer, and I always prayed with my eyes open, I still do, because I thought, God, God shows up. Do I want to see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All right. I look it, and then there's this light at the bottom of my bed. Well, here we go. There was what? A light at the bottom of my bed. I went on my bed, and this light started to go round and round like that. Daniel, I swear it was real to me anyway, and I still yeah. believe it's real because I experienced it. There's an angel at the bottom of the bed, right? All white. Wow. And I went, just stunned. So I went, all right. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, like, you would if it's an angel. All right, pal, how's it going? I went, yeah, dead sound, yeah, yeah. All right, well, God wants you to do something. I went, all right, yeah, sign, what? He wants you to go and stand next to this brick wall at exactly seven o'clock, not five past, not five, you've got to be there at exactly seven o'clock. Tells me where it was, and it's like two minutes away from where I'm in this almost hostel. Will you do it? I went, why? He said, will you do it? Went, yeah. Went, right, all right. See you later, pal. I'll be back. Right, went. And I'm thinking, right, mate, you need to go back to hospital. Right, yeah. first thing. It does sound, sound mental. Yeah. Yeah. Of you need some medication or something. It's not right. You're not well. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, but then it gets to like uh, nearly seven o'clock. You know, I'm thinking, oh, mate. Shall I go? <laughs> thinking, shall I call? No, you're not. Listen, don't tell anybody. Just never speak about it again. Just leave it. You've just seen stuff that's not there. You know, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to go because I've no to lose. So I went and I went against this brick wall. I used to smoke then, so I'm just having a fag like that. Looks at the town hall clock. You can see it and you can hear it. So long seven o'clock. Puts the fag out on the floor. I thought, just, you, you're just an idiot, mate. What, what's happening? I'm just going to walk off. This guy walked around the corner and went, all right, Mick, I bet you didn't expect to see me here. Honestly, and I absolutely nearly freaked out. I went, what? Couldn't speak. I went, no. He went, yeah. come in. He's anonymous. I went, what? What? And he, with my first day air meeting. What? And he, and he took me into the meeting and I found a conception of God in that meeting, a higher power. The guy worked in the homeless hostel I was living in. Never spoke to him, but I'd seen him through this like a little window thing. He wasn't my worker or anything, but I'd seen him and he was in recovery and he was like 20 years in NA and he just happened to walk around to, to that meeting, to that thing. So then I'm like, 
this might be it. Yeah, I thought, well, I'm definitely not going to tell anyone that an angel sent me. Mm. You know what I mean? Because loop de loop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I goes back uh, the day after, mm. the same time, I'm praying again. Yeah. And the angel lands again, right? Wow. In exactly the same way and everything else. And I went, you'll never guess where I'm, mate. I'm telling you. What about you? He went, yeah, no. I went, oh, yeah, you probably will, won't you? He went, right, God sent me, and he wants you to do something. I said, what's that? And he wants you to forgive the fellow that hurt you. I went, no chance. I swore. I said, I don't care what you are. I don't care who God is. Never going to happen. And the angel said, you will. He said, and when you do, God's going to send it all the way around the world. And I went, I all right. Later that happened and I'd forgot. The angel. Yeah. But what happened as well was the message in the book and everything. It's gone all the way. It's an Amazon bestseller, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and uh loads of T V stuff and that. And the message that the the message that I want to put out there that people can get sober, they can get clean, they can get a better new life, they can get salvation, they can change the lives and the hearts can be changed. Has gone around the world on the back of that, so Okay, I might have been still poorly. It might have just been fluke. Mm. But what was said happened. happened. Yeah. So I don't, I just think, for me, it's really simple. I just think, if God worked in me illness, he worked in me illness. And, right. and that's it. It'll yeah. do. It doesn't matter, does it? No, it, it doesn't. Did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sat here talking to you on the back of that. Yeah. Wow. Daniel, how many people have you had sat talking to you on the back of talking to an angel? <laughs> like, it was still, it was still sober. <laughs> it was so, oh man, Ooh, that's crazy. So yeah. that that was, so like I say, I, I'm not here saying mm. that it was real. Or no, not real. I love, I love the, I, no, I love the way that I love the you you have you have a very good you have a very open uh, way of looking at everything, and I like that like, even the way down to your openness around you know what Jesus is, you know. So mm. to so you know sometimes. And, I'm not, and I don't mean to put anyone down, but sometimes I speak to religious people, and I think for our generation, that's why it can be quite put off. You used to talk, talk to religious people about God, and, and it is their way or the highway, what they believe, and that is how it is. And, you know, for, for someone to be a little bit more like, well, look, this is what I believe it is to me, but it can be whatever you want it to be for you. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that what I learned through church when I, when I, when I did go to church and what my grandma used to say to me and stuff like that is, majority of the stuff that they're trying to share with you is positive stuff and yeah and i think that men especially men are, I'm, I'm really in tune with what men my age are going through uh because i feel like i'm part of a I'm, I'm definitely part of a massive massive uh generation of lads and women but mainly lads i can relate to because it's because i'm a lad of lads that have not really had a problem with drinking drugs they just drink and, and, and do use drugs at the weekend but then they get responsibilities and a family and stuff like that, and they can't pick the fucking the family and that over the drugs because they need the drugs and the release and stuff. And you come to this crossroad like I've come to now, and you've got to make a decision. And unfortunately, they don't have the strength that you can get from religion yeah. or from Jesus and faith. They don't, and and I think that that's what I want to share out there. You know, it's like it comes across in different ways from with different guests we've had on here yeah. through uh, mental health, mindfulness. Um, you know, working on. Just working on, you know, your the way you think, the way, you know. But all of this stuff has been in religion for years it does. to help you, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 it's, you're right. I, I agree with you. So, so I think there's, uh, there's the gospel message of Jesus, which is underlying what we're talking about now. And it's not built on religion. It's just built on faith in something else. Mm. And that's... So, all the issues I have or people come to me with, I don't have an answer, but if I preach that message that I've talked to you about, mm. if I speak that, it's that that changes people because I'm not God and I'm not Jesus, so I can't change anybody. Yeah. I can't save anybody. I can't do anything. Mm. But I have a message yeah. that can. Yeah. That message. So for me, Jesus is the word of God. It's that mm. message that I'm just as simple as we've had this little chapter. Yeah. That's me trying to talk Jesus. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's just sharing what you've learned, yeah, which is very, which yeah. is what I'm doing. And yeah, yeah, I think um, I think you know if that you know it's it's a lonely old fucking thing being on uh, 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 you know look, look it's a lonely old thing even considering sobriety if it's causing you problems yeah. because it's your friend, man. The drink and the drugs are your friend. So hard. It is. It is. And 
I even I even had a little bit of an argument with with the with the missus that I was kind of telling you about yeah. it before you come in, and it's because I'm so sensitive. And you were saying yeah. we're so sensitive, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. The sobriety makes hyper sensitive. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we just had a little bicker about something stupid, something I'd said to her. She said back something, and um, and I instantly thought to myself, you know, she said something. It was so stupid. Think about me going to bed too early because I'm up. I'm up at fucking half four in the morning going boxing, right? And she said something about me being going to bed too too early. And I said, well, what's the alternative? You want me like this or do you want me like that? And I suddenly realised what an horrible thing to say to her, to her. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you want me to go to bed early or do you, or do you want me to be back to out of the way I was before? And then I thought, oh, there's that old... Yeah, say it's there, isn't it? That old sort of spitefulness attached. It's about you, isn't it? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's what we're trying to break free from. Yeah, making it about us, about yeah. our thing. Uh, but I think I think you know, lads out there, if 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 you can find uh, the answers in faith, then why not? Man? Yeah. So so I, for me, what what I've seen, people that have a type of faith, it, it, like what you were talking about, you believe in something mm. that isn't you. Yeah. That gives you a better chance. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Even if you just believe in the group of four here, or I don't care what it is, but it's, it, it's more powerful than just you by yourself. Yeah. Than that. On average, seems to be that people that maintain the sobriety and, and get well off it because you start. What's the point of being sober and miserable? I don't want it. Do you know what I mean? No. I want to be living a life and yeah. my life. I want to serve now. You know what I mean? Mm. That, that's my drive is to serve. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, I think we replace. We replace. We need to replace that with something, don't we? Um, oh sure, yeah. I'm, I, 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 yeah. I don't. You know, some people look at like I'm. I'm very in tune with like visualizing. You know what you visualize, and and maybe I mean not knocking it, but maybe you visualize the. You know, you visualized it in front of you, or it maybe it is divine intervention or whatever. But that I feel like a lot of what's and and it's difficult for our generation, 100 percent in it, John. Like people sort of frown at religion and stuff like that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think that you know, if you if you're intelligent enough, um, and you really want to help yourself. Look at religion, look at the stuff they're saying and take it and turn it into what you do believe you could do as well. I, I think that's it. I think that's the key. So uh, my faith doesn't allow me to, to destroy somebody else's faith. Mm. If if I do, then I'm just a tyrant. Oh, no, I, I haven't got faith. Mm. You know, my faith's in what exactly what I've said to you. And that's how I believe. And that sets me free, but it sets other people free as well. Mm. You know, the the people around me, you know what I mean? We we people into rehab you know hundreds of people are sent to, we sent to rehab we get people into sobriety hundreds so our church is not you would daniel if you ever came you have to come to our church one day because you just fall about laughing because he's nothing like the church you're describing is it they're all like it's not one of them ones where they're all up singing really loud they could do they could do that one again but no you probably have a fight at back at church whilst i'm preaching <laughs> and you've got like kids running around 16 dogs yeah so i could think and but the message is that it's us together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not a class system. It's not. There's people with money. There's people with nothing. And you get people coming up with the sleep on the street, putting two pence into the collection because they want to participate in it. Do you know what I mean? These are the people. These are the differences and the changes in life. People giving from from the nothingness that that they have. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I had uh, a mall or sleeping rough in Manchester, and uh, I'd gone into this church. And uh, looked a mess, and I'm acting, I'm erratic, I'm not well, obviously. And they give me a cup of tea, we're freezing, just had a t-shirt on, it's this no November, December or something. And uh, they couldn't wait to get me out of the church. Lovely people, not their fault, do you know what I mean? Mm. We've got to get this geezer out of the church because... He's a bit erratic. Just... Yeah, it's, get him out. It's a bit scary. Man. Time to go, you've had your cup of tea, it's freezing. And they shut the door of the church when I went out. And I heard them lock the door behind me, and I felt it, you know. And I walked about 20 yards down the street, and there's a guy in a shop doorway. I went, here, mate, come here. What are you doing? I said, I don't know. He went, sit down. And I'm rattling for a drink. So my alcoholism was that bad. I'm like, you know, I'll have a fit if I don't get a drink, basically. Sit down. So I sat down. He took his hat off, put it on my head, got the quilt, wrapped it around me, got his cider, undid it, and he just kept, just give me a little swigs till shakes went. When shakes went, roll me a five, put me in my mouth and lit it. I met Jesus in a shop doorway because they wouldn't have me in the church. And that's what our church is like, Daniel. It's meeting people there. 
where they're at and giving them that kind of support. And then God speaks in that. Mm. I don't have to, t- I don't have to go around running through chucking Bibles at people. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to show you. So what does your faith look like? Mickey? it looks like that. That's living my life like that. For a man, for a man that's been, for, for, for that man to be sat in that doorway where, where society in the world has fucking shut him out. And he gives and he gives and, everything, and he still and he still has sank in his heart. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he give me everything he had, said drink, tobacco, and warmth. That's all he had, and he give it me, shared it with me. It's not rocket science, and though what stops everybody else sharing what they have, and it's it's easy for me if I've got only got twenty quid in the world to give you a tenner. But if I've got a million quid, it's like, oh, hang on, I've got a pension here, hang on, well, to my kids go, da 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 And you're so right. The pull shouldn't change. And that's what's difficult. So there's a reason why, if you've only 20 quid, you can mm. give a tenner away. And if you're a million, <coughs> it's just a bit, there's a reason. I want to ask you something before you go, Mick. Um, I'm, um, so I am con- very conscious that I'm, very, I'm, I'm well off. You know what I mean? I'm mm. doing all right. I've got a nice house. And this conversation is just, it's making me think a lot, you know, and I think that I'm giving back with this podcast and I've got a group that, um, it's called men and their emotions. We've got about 30,000 lads in there that are talking, but again, this is, again, this is, this, this podcast is ego driven for me. It's, it's my image. You know, I'm, I'm out there. I can, I can hold my hands up and say, what can, what else do you think? What do you think would give me more food for my soul? What can I do? Do you think? What can, I, I mean, I've got hundreds of thousands of followers. So I can do things on a big scale, but I mean, I really want to do something a little bit more personable. You know, you know what I'd do, Daniel. Honestly, I'd, you know, like say when you get up at four o'clock in the morning to go boxing, right? I'd take a look at just have a little drive around somewhere else where people are sleeping rough, or maybe have a have a have a thought about. Uh, I I have this thought right every day. There's times when I've dropped food parcels off kids because that's what we do in the church i've set up and that's a charity and uh, i've walked into places many times you know and the kids have ripped the bags on to get the food because they're starving right i see children daniel every day that i'm being fed i see children with eating disorders because they may be 11 or 12 and they won't eat because they want the younger ones to have the food and they develop eating disorders on our streets here in in London yeah, and, and it's everywhere get up in the morning you don't have to pray Daniel get up in the morning and just think about them for five minutes before you start your day and your life will change you know and we can do that when we're together we can just I maybe pray you maybe think about them but do it every day because it's real it really is real you know it's alright to have money and it's alright to have followers and, and friends and stuff. there's nothing wrong with that you should I'm sure God don't need to be poor, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you're using everything he's given you, yeah. you know, but just get that in, because that's the reality, and that levels you and puts you right on the ground and says, do you know what? Yeah, there, there is something else, you know. And then imagine kind of like, imagine having to sit down with your children and tell them everything, the dirtiest, deepest, darkest secrets that you've ever had. Imagine having to sit down with your children and tell them all that stuff. Oh God! Yeah, no. But then imagine if they turned round after and said, "But I love you anyway, Dad." Yeah, that's deep. And that's God. That's what God is. And you don't have to call it a prayer. Mm. You just have to know that there's that there that changes you. Mm. I can see it just in you now. Yeah, I feel it. Just see it. it, it yeah, the, about, yeah, isn't yeah. There? There's like it's it's upset me a little bit thinking about them kids just because obviously I'm a father, but. Also, I feel like so. Um, I just feel a little bit like uh, there's so much more that I could do. Do you know what I mean? I'm not with a camera, I'm not going down there and fucking yeah, yeah. like just going and going and you know, like I'll, I've got so much uh, stuff in abundance. Do you know what I mean? And especially time. Use it. Yeah. Use it wisely. Yeah. Sorry, man. I didn't really get upset. No, it's all right. It's right. So, what you've yeah. got, Daniel, is a gift. You have a gift, right? And if you only use it for yourself, then it stops being a gift. When you start to use it for others as well, there's much more power in it, and 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 more comes, mm. you know. And you could call it karma. I just call it fucking God me, but it's like that's what's happened. So the church, mm. you no, know, I sell with ten pound charity. I sat on the floor outside of McDonald's, you know, with guys who were homeless, and you know now 
you see, it's a charity now, you know, we've got our own building, we do this stuff and, you know, we struggle to kind of keep going, but we do, we keep going, but it was 10 quid. I guess I only had 10 quid, do you know, mm. where I, but I decided to use it for good. And that's all it takes. It takes your intent, but you have to do this stuff intentionally. You know, you've got to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. Like I said, the book, you kind of, the book, the money's going to go to the charities and, it, and it's doing all right. And that's what's going to happen. And it'll it'll feed more people. It'll kind of like, and that's, you know, the things that you're doing, you can use it for the great. God, don't skin yourself. No, of don't course. Say, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just ends up feeding your own ego again. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's yeah. to do stuff with intent, out of love and care, but to be aware of what is actually right around you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I were delivering food parcels and on one street with three lads in the 30s, right? Not much different age to you, right? Not related to each other, but they lived on the same street, Little Terrace Street, and in two weeks, all three of them killed themselves. All three of them, you know? And it's like, the state of mental health is horrendous, but the church, you know, the church that I've set up, we have uh, mental health workers in the church, and I've done a deal with the NHS to get them in, and now I'm not burying as many people. Because we also pay for the funerals because they can't all get the grants and support. Well, it's, yeah. it's amazing the work you're doing. Let me let me just show them the book, please, guys. It's called. And look, I, I I can tell you could talk for hours on 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 everything. There's probably stuff in the book that you haven't yeah. you haven't told us. So check it out. It's blown away from drug dealer to life bringer. Um, check it on Amazon. Money goes to the church. And where is the church? It's in Burnley. So it's, it's a church in Burnley, so in uh, north of England, it's a poor place, uh, but brilliant people, mm. you know, brilliant people, but uh, it's uh, difficult work, uh, but really, really rewarding, mm. you know, so. it's I find it really, you talk a lot about homeless people, and you've been homeless yourself, and I find it really, sorry to keep on, because I know we're a bit no. tight on time, but I feel I feel like I'm just such mixed emotions at the moment, and it's very difficult for me to talk about it without being labelled like a bigot or... Or, or whatever, but I feel such mixed emotions about what a government does for the illegal immigrants that come over, putting them up in hotels and stuff, and and how how they can look at our homeless and just leave them on the street. I mean, what does what do, what does the government do for the homeless? No, not so much. No, at the moment, what does the government do for anybody? Well, yeah, do you know? In my in my opinion, yeah, it's sort of like uh, we've got people, old age pensioners coming to us. Uh, they can't afford the gas and electric. Fucking disgusting. Board food, so, yeah. You know, we've uh, we've got immigrants there that come. Listen, listen. Trust me, it's not all singing and dancing. The uh, the immigrants are yeah, the immigrants. You've got to look after them as well. Yeah, they're coming to get food and stuff like that uh, because uh, the vouchers and the food that they can get with it, it doesn't last. Doesn't run. Right. Whether they want to work a lot, want to work, they can't work. Not allowed to work. Uh, there's loads of them do loads of voluntary work. They work for free. Yeah. Uh, some of them help help me in our food. Yeah, I feel bad. I didn't mean. I didn't oh, mean to I didn't get it. I didn't. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say. I get it. Yeah, I didn't mean to say immigrants in general. But I just know that. I just meant when when the government was forking out big money for the hotels and all of that. Why haven't they done that sooner for our homeless? Do you know what I mean? It's completely. You know, completely. Such a tricky thing to even discuss, isn't it? It is. But briefly there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. Oh man, that's my. I cry a lot these days, man. It's it. I'm just really, really in tune. And look, I just want to say, um, I just want to say, anyone that's anyone that's listening or watching, uh, man, if what you've done with your life, Mick, it should be an inspiration for any anyone out there. And um, what would you say? I, I'd like to try and finish the podcast on this. What would your one bit of advice be to anyone that's sat watching this now that's struggling with drink or drug addiction now, right now? It's possible. I'm telling you it's possible. Daniel's telling you it's possible. Look, something needs to change, right? And it's you that needs to change. It's that simple. And there's a way out, you know, and even a prayer to a God you maybe don't believe in yeah. is something yeah. that's saying, I'm going to start on a different footing. Yeah. Going to a church or a mosque or a temple or whatever, an NA meeting, an AA meeting, something different. To what you've done because that's not working yeah because what you're doing now is not working and then looking around you and just saying that i guess we've talked a little bit about gratitude in you know undercover gratitude really it's like you know when you see the people that are far worse off than yourself 
there's something that happens in you. There's like a, a humility that sort of starts to fire up and spark. And that is the spark of recovery. True, true recovery. You can, there's always find something to be grateful for, even in your deepest and darkest, because the notion and the kind of the horrendous part of addiction is that self-piteous state that we just can't break out of. And, and we me, keep me, me. I'm so hard. I need the drugs because things yeah. are hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If and I just had a house, if I just had this, if I just had a car, if I just had a better-looking girlfriend, if I just had... You can go on a million times as you're going up and down, but it's all about that self. So when you get that humility, so like when I said to you, Daniel, get up in the morning and just think about them children. For me, I'm praying. So I'm doing the same thing. You know, I'm praying to God, you know, for the help and support for them, or, or we can get out to support to support mm. I'll leave it a small mate. But if you start thinking about people who were soft, it's you, gratitude. Yeah, and it puts your life in perspective. It changes everything, and you'll get out of it. Mm. You know, you'll get out of it. Don't try and do it on your own. If you try to do, if you try to get out of addiction on your own, you're likely to fail. You know, you're likely to fail. Mick, thank you very much. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you so much for coming in. That was powerful. May my God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not religious now. I'm not you religious stuff. Converted, eh? oh, yeah. You'll see me in that church. Um, I'm just going to finish up on this camera. Mick, thank you so much for um, for coming. Uh, guys, blown away. Check his book out. The money goes to his church. Um, I'm going to read it myself. But I, I, uh, yeah, thank you so much, mate. Such a profound um, podcast. And uh Guys, as per usual, if you know, if you've listened to this and it's connected with you and you know anyone out there uh, that's slightly struggling, please share the, share this podcast to them, send it to them, tag them. Um, and yeah, just give us some feedback. Can Oh, just quickly, Mick, are you on social media? Can they find you anywhere? I'm on Twitter, me. Uh, huh? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter. I think he's at Pastor Mick. Fleming. At Pastor Mick. Let's get it up on the screen, yeah. guys. At Pastor Mick Fleming. At Pastor McFilm, go and go and let him know on Twitter that you've that you've you've checked out the uh, podcast and listen, like, subscribe, and thank you. And whatever you believe in, reach out to it to find your recovery. <laughs>